back to the Stick 'Em Up podcast. Burundi, we got uh, we got a bit of a slow week since the the hectic weekend we just had. Yep. Yeah, no, it hasn't been a a very busy week in the league. Uh, we don't got a whole lot of news to talk about, but uh, you know, we we went on for for quite a bit uh, earlier earlier this week, so I think we can get away with a little bit more of a short and sweet one uh, this time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's a couple random snippets uh, throughout throughout the league, but yeah, other than yeah. that, it's really not much. Yeah, um, yeah. They're like, uh, and, and we'll get to it in a little bit. Um, uh, but I, I, I do have one thing that's kind of a bit, uh, somewhat big news, um, just because it's very a very odd situation. Um, but we'll we'll get into that uh, a little bit later on. Uh, where where do we want to start here with with what we do have? Um, well, I guess we can uh, we can start with some of the quicker ones to go through that we there's not too much to uh, talk about. Um, first off, uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov of the Washington Capitals uh, entered the NHL Players Assistance Program over yeah the past few days. Um, I don't believe he has said what for. Um, and anyone you know, who watched him win the cup can probably make yeah. an assumption, but yeah, uh, yeah, we we don't really know for sure. Um, it, it's tough, tough for Washington. You know, they're battling for a playoff spot, and you know, you lose guys like Batchman Kuznetsov who aren't, you know, doing what they used to be, not you know, performing for the team kind of what they used to do, but still losing two guys like that who, you know, take up a, a big part of your your cap situation. It's uh it, it's tough for them right now, right when they're they're on the verge of uh battling for a spot, you know, you lose guys like that, it uh it definitely doesn't help your team, that's for sure. No, and it's it's wild that they're even uh battling for a playoff spot, you know, considering uh the decline that really nobody seemed to see coming of uh, Ovechkin and Kuznetsov's out now and they're yeah. still finding ways to win a lot of hockey games. Yeah. They are. They're, they're, they're still right there in the, in the mix. Like again, do they make the playoffs? No. And that's just because of the, you know, the, the cluster of teams in, in the Eastern conference that are right in the mix there. Uh, I just, I don't see them, you know, beaten out one or, or two of those teams to to get in so yeah they're currently at yep. uh, 51 points um to get into the wild card spot in the east you'd have to have uh at this point uh 59 and 58 points uh in the first and second wild card spot so they're they're falling back a bit uh, I didn't realize. So they were a lot closer. Apparently, they're on a six-game losing streak right now. Yeah, yeah, they've been on a on a skid um, so. as of lately. And I think they they just lost. Yeah, they just lost tonight as well against Florida. So yeah, it's... and a teammate in the conference. So that'll make it even harder. Yeah, it's a, but, I think uh, it's the start of the that you know that rebuild retool, whatever they they're gonna end up doing. You know, again, when you got Ovechkin. I don't think you can really just be like, yeah, you know, we're we're rebuilding. I think I, I don't know what they're gonna do, but um, 
They got they're they're gonna have some tough decisions to make. And you know what? If the rest of the season keeps going downhill, and you can add a, you know, I don't I don't know if they end up getting into that area of a top five pick. Um, but even if you get a, a top eight pick, you know, that's a good player that you can bring into the fold, and uh, they can potentially jump into their lineup. You know, maybe a, a year or two away, um, and maybe be a part of them trying to you know achieve something during Ovi's you know last one or two years, but. It's tough to say what they're going to do because they got a lot of big decisions to to make now. Yeah, and uh, just on the players' note, uh, obviously, uh, best wishes to uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov. Hopefully, whatever he's got going on, he uh, hopefully the players' assistance program helps him clear that up. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I guess just the next one we got on the list here um again not really much to say just you know best wishes for everyone kind of involved but uh calgary flames uh, legend lanny mcdonald is currently um in the hospital and recovering after suffering a cardiac um event uh, a couple of days ago um reports came out that he is he is doing okay he did put out a little little message about it um so you know obviously we hope that everything going forward for him um checks out and he he's he's doing okay moving forward because though those can be uh very serious incidences and uh thankfully he he came out on the right end of of one of them yeah he uh he was at the airport and he uh collapsed and i guess to um to i don't know if they're paramedics or nurses but uh two people who had a lot of uh you know knowledge in the medical field uh stopped and ran over and uh helped him out and it sounds like they were a, a big help in helping stabilize him till uh emergency services could arrive so um that yeah. was that was really lucky and it's good to hear that he's uh, uh it sounds like he's in stable condition and recovering in the hospital yeah 100 percent um as far as i'm aware this is the last uh this is the last uh injury or uh you know, type uh, <laughs> news to start yeah. off the episode. Um, but Mikhail Sergachev uh, the other day went down with a really nasty looking leg injury uh, against the Rangers. Uh, he had to be stretchered off. Both teams were on the ice. Uh, it was it was a really hard to watch uh, whole scene that kind of unfolded. And uh, luckily earlier today, he did undergo a successful leg surgery in New York. Uh he had a fractured tibia and fibula. So luckily he avoided any uh, nerve, tendon, uh, you know, muscle damage. Um, but still those, both those broken bones, that's, uh, that's really tough for a guy who just came back from a 17 game uh, absence with a broken foot. So yeah, you, you could tell he was really upset. He had worked hard to come back and that, that sucks for the lightning. That was a that was a real gut punch. Yeah, it's always tough when you're you know you're playing without a guy and you know a, a big part of your team as it is, and then you know he finally comes back. It's like all right, now we can finally turn the page and we're getting healthier and we're getting the you know the squad together, the boys rolling again, and then boom, you know you he's he's back out of the lineup just like that. It 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 really puts him in a tough position because I think you know. If they want to go on a playoff run, I think now that, you know, Sergachev's not coming back at all this year, I think now looking towards a trade deadline, 
uh, I think Tampa Bay's got to go out and uh, look at um, adding in some kind of defenseman, uh, whoever that may be. I know that they have been kind of linked a little bit to um, to David Savard, uh, bringing him back over from from mm. Montreal. But again, the, the price for Savard is probably going to end up being a first round pick. Tampa Bay really doesn't have that, and if even if they do, do they really trade um, a first round pick from from years down the line? You know, like yeah, it's, it's I, tough. So I think that's what they were looking at doing. Now that like Sergachev isn't just some defenseman; he is far and away our second best defenseman. Some people would even argue yeah. our first at this point. I was going to um, say you can you could make that argument, and um, yeah, I think. I think at this point, if they're going to make a move at the deadline, it's got to be for a, um, you know, a, a Mikey Asimont type guy that, you know, has multiple years on his deal and uh, is a bit of one of those long-term rentals, you know, for a two to three years. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think they can afford to give up much for a guy with one year left and go for it. I think. I think, I think Savard's that, got some term though. That's true, and I don't I don't know on Savard's uh, case specifically, but um, yeah, I know a lot of people were hoping we'd load up with another big defenseman and uh, make a deep run this year, but uh, we were maybe a bit of a tier below t- some of the top teams in the league, and without Sergachev, it's it's a tough sell to to try and go for another cup when yeah. you've got him out, and it's. Uh, it's been a bit of a struggle this year, so I I think reloading for next year would uh, be the best course of action. Yeah, that we'll that's kind of the way. See. That's kind of the way that I view it. Like at this point, it's you know, Tampa Bay already really doesn't have that strong of a prospect pool. They're they don't they're not really rolling around in in top end draft picks. And you know how much how many years into the future do you want to keep digging into? Like I think. Again, I think if you have Sergachev, then you could go out and, you know, maybe move a, a lower end prospect or a, a kind of a later round pick and bring someone in. Uh, but I think with him out now, you know, that's there's nobody you can get on the the market to replace that. And, you know, anybody you bring in just isn't going to come close to the level of play that he did. So I, I think you're right. I yeah. think you might just have to be like, you know what? It, and injuries are a part of it. You might just have to kind of, roll with with what you got if it works awesome if it doesn't you you just look towards next year because that that whole core um of that team is still in place for next year so you can always run it back next year and hope that it's a a better situation where uh injuries aren't playing a role like this yeah but. realistically all we lose in this off season the only thing we don't have nailed to the floor is stamkos and i i genuinely still don't see him going anywhere I, I think it's going to get done. I think Breezebaugh just wants to know for sure what the cap's going to be. Like, once as, as soon as we get the official, this is how much it's going up, I think not long after that, we're going to see um, him sign a new contract. At least that's what I'm hoping. So, um, yeah, I do think uh, they're going to regroup, hopefully make the playoffs, try something out in the postseason, but uh, just move forward next year. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And it um, sounds like Sergachev, uh, this type, uh, this is not specific to Sergachev's situation at all. This is uh, just me Googling around, seeing what I could find for fractured tibias and fibulas. But it sounds like uh, on the higher end, it's around five to six to seven months to yeah. return, which would 
be about the start of next season. So obviously I think his, uh, his season's over, but if he can uh, come back for the start of next year, uh, that's obviously what we'd be hoping for at this point. Yeah. With an injury of that and the, the recovery probably is probably again, one of those ones that uh, we've seen in past years, just some guys where their entire off season is just all rehabbing. And then it's really not till, you know, the beginning of, of training camp to start the season that they kind of get skating again. So it's probably like you, you, you probably most likely you probably see Sergachev come in, you know, maybe 12 to 15 games into the season. Yeah. Just cause you're, you you got to give him time back on the ice and get back into the groove and, and fully ready before you, you throw him right in. So, um, yeah. but again, you know, he's obviously going to be back next season at, at whatever point it is. And then that's going to, um, add a lot to to Tampa Bay one once they get him back in and uh going with them because like we said you can make the argument that he uh is their top defenseman and he logs a shit ton of minutes for them every game so that's again that's just something you you can't replace yeah so uh well wishes and hopefully a speedy recovery for Sergeyev uh going forward um Speaking of not trading um, draft picks, uh, have you heard yeah. the situation going on with the New York Rangers? I have not. All right. Well, so the, the, I, I saw this the other day, and I thought it was a quite interesting um, scenario because you, you don't really see anything like this. Um, so the New York Rangers owner is James Dolan. Yeah. Um, uh so he so we know that this year in vegas um taking place at the the big sphere there is going to be the very final um centralized draft and right, new york rangers that, they're remote they're doing it remotely right yeah and so new york rangers owner dolan he actually owns the sphere in vegas <laughs> and he's now made it clear to their their gm and their higher ups that despite them being top of the the metro and going to be one of the the big teams in the east in the playoffs he has told the higher ups that they are not allowed to trade their first round pick for this year because he wants the rangers to go into the draft huh. with their own first round pick so they can be part of this um spectacular that will be taking place at his venue which means then if the rangers you know if they want to go out and add players to their team and whatnot they're going to be after sending out future assets so first round picks next year the year after when i mean if if anything like the rangers are are going to be a good team in the playoffs i'm not a fan of them but i you know they're a strong strong team yeah so really it's like you you're you'd rather keep a a first round pick that's probably going to be i would say 24 to 32 and just to be part of it when you might tr- like, I don't know how good the Rangers are going to be next year. Like realistically, if it's not for Jonathan quick, the Rangers are a lot lower down than yeah. where they're at right now. And is quick going to be that good next year. No, a lot of their core is just, is getting older. And so it's, you know, if you're trying first round picks from future years to go all in this year and it doesn't work. Now you're looking at, you know, next year and you might be trading a pick that's a, uh, in the in the 12 to 16 range all just because you want it to be part of the the spectacular going on at yeah at the owner's venue so that's 
that's so dumb. That's got to be frustrating for the general manager and the guys yeah. in, on the Rangers. Like, you got this good thing going. You want to make a big splash. You want to make the move. And it's not hard to do because guys love going to New York. And and you're not allowed to trade your biggest trade chip. That's yeah. That's crazy. Like, hey, how about instead you show up, uh, the owner, how about he shows up with the Stanley Cup to the thing when they host it? Like, Yeah, exactly. Wouldn't you rather have a Stanley Cup than a first round draft pick that'll be in the twenties? Like, yeah, that's uh, that's very strange. That's very strange. And it's this isn't um, confirmed or anything. It, it is kind of pure speculation, but there is um, some strength behind the people kind of putting these rumors out, but. It sounds like the Rangers were in pretty hard on acquiring Elias Lindholm from Calgary. And the biggest reason why they kind of fell out of those talks is, again, like what Calgary got from Vancouver, that first round pick this year, the Rangers weren't willing to do that. Yeah, And, I, it, and Calgary obviously wasn't going to be like, yeah, send us a first round pick next year or the year after. Like Calgary wants wanted that first round pick to add into their fold for this year and to you know bring pieces into so they can kind of start this retool and i you know that that could very well be the reason why elias lindholm didn't go to the rangers is because they weren't willing to to part with their first round pick this year and if elias lindholm is exactly what they needed after uh the news came out that philip is now now done for the year after concussion symptoms elias lindholm is the perfect player to fill that spot yeah, and so that's a bad look. If if that's again, we don't know for sure, but if that's the reason why they didn't get Elias Lindholm, that like that's that's brutal. That's like, not an owner that wants to win the cup this year. It's an owner who wants all the spotlight at his 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 venue. That's which... a rich guy doing dumb shit because he has he has his little toys. He has his little toy franchise because he's a yeah. a billionaire. Like yeah. that's that's a really dumb look and. He probably doesn't care about that look because he's a billionaire, but uh, yeah, that's exactly man. If the, if the Rangers go to the conference finals and then lose, you know, a guy like Elias Lindholm, that's, that's a difference maker. Yeah. Like, and that, that also, that just bumps every single other, other one of your centermen down. Not only does he look great as a second line center, but how good does their current second line center look as a third line center? Like it, yeah. It just it adds at the top and it shifts everything down. And not only that, that, like that's on the power play and penalty kill. Like he he does it all. Like that's Lindholm's a Swiss Army knife. Like yeah, that that is that is exactly what uh, they could have used. And it is the the exact piece that that they uh, needed. Yeah, man, I hate I hate owners getting involved in it. You know, for years we've seen it with uh, Vancouver. Uh, the Aquilinis will yeah. randomly just yeah, that, that's, and that's be a like, big one actually. Just, hey, who? Uh, this is uh, this guy is the flavor of the month. Go out, do whatever it takes to get this guy. And the GM's like, we don't want that guy. It'll cost too much, and we have our eye on this guy. Nope, uh, I, we're the owners, and we say get this guy. And that that put Vancouver in a bad spot for several years. And then if the GM doesn't go out and grab the guy they want, he's out of a job in within the next six months. Yeah, so it's uh, it's very frustrating to see, uh, you know, they hire these guys with decades of experience in 
you know, hockey and management with the team and all that. And then the guy who saw a highlight of a guy scoring a goal goes, uh, this guy, get him. And yeah, yeah, you hate to see that. Yeah. 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 I just wanted to bring that up because you don't really ever see stuff like that happen. So, uh, yeah. Nah, there's not much to say on it, really. Just uh, strange, I suppose. And it's, it's again, it's even kind of like we talked about with the Canucks. There's always the you know, possibility they could have got Elias Lindholm and then, you know, they could have potentially gone on to win the Cup. I think you add Lindholm. I think they're probably one of the top three favorites to win. Uh, yeah. And now, you know, say you win the Cup and whatnot. You could even, going up into the draft, you again, you can find a team and do a sign-in trade. And then you can get a first round pick back and then boom, you're right back there in the first round to, you know, pick whoever potentially even in a better spot than where your pick ends up being. Like, yeah, there's just ways they could have gone about it. I think that would have worked out in every capacity, but you know, they, they chose uh, to go a different route. And I think again, there's a lot of teams that like, this is a, a good and deep first round this year. Like, teams are, are wanting the first round picks for this year like with what calgary did and i think calgary got you know a slam dunk kuzmenko's looking great he's got uh two goals in his first two games uh he's making huberto look much better obviously uh brushevich and now you you add in a first round pick then you're going to get a good player in this year's draft you yeah know. i mean yeah the flames just beat uh they beat Boston four to one. And then tonight they just beat uh, the devils five to three. Like those yeah. are two pretty good teams. And uh, they, they handled them fairly easily. Like, yeah, they, they're looking a lot better after that trade. So I think that was really good for them. So it'll be interesting to see what, what the Rangers are, are going to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but enough with the Rangers now. Uh, what do we What do we got next here? We only got a couple, couple yeah. more things on the. Let's uh, Let's talk agenda. about uh, the Brendan Dillon uh, hit. So uh, Brendan Dillon on, of the Winnipeg Jets uh, was suspended three games uh, after a hit to the head on Nola Chari of the mm-hmm. Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, yeah, he uh, he pretty much saw a head all the way. It wasn't one of those ones where he reached out and only hit the head, but yeah, the, he was coming at him head on and uh, the head was definitely the first thing that got hit. Yeah. Yeah. Like it wasn't a, a go in and it, like a, a Brendan Gallagher and intentionally yeah. go and hit the head. He was going in to make a hard hit. He, he hit the head and at the end of the day, like you do that, it's, it's a suspension. You got to be aware of, of what's going on when you're going in to hit a guy and you, if you're going to take a run at a guy, you got to make sure that you're, you know, hitting them in, in a way that's clean. And this one wasn't. So is, do I think like, I think three games is maybe a bit much. I think two would have been fine just based on the precedent of what we've seen other guys get for, for other hits or not get. So I feel like throwing three atoms a bit much, but I don't, I did, didn't, did he get suspended for his cross checks to Kaprizov? Uh, no, he didn't. Okay, so I wonder if maybe that played a role in it. That, that, like, you know that what? could definitely you got be away with it. you got away with one earlier, and 
we've done this. So now we're, we're going to throw the book at you a bit harder. Yeah. I think three games is fine. Um, you know, it's, it's a little more than what, uh, guys will often get for this, but I think, I think they need to start having it be more, you know, it would be a lot to give them, you know, six or seven games compared to what they've given other guys. But, you know, I'd like to see a league where we get to the point where, you know, a guy hits somebody in the head and we can give them a proper suspension to make it a lot more, a lot worse for the team and the player to make those hits. So they maybe yeah. think twice a bit more, but not quite there yet. Um, but I think as it stands right now, I think three's around the ballpark. Yeah. And you know, if, if and again, if like, if this is the, the precedent that they're setting going forward for these kind of hits, then I'm, uh, I'm I'm all for that. Then I've got yeah. no no issue with this. It it sucks that we always have to preface any suspension in the league with "I'm fine with this" if it's the new precedent, because it really yeah. it's only the new precedent until the next time somebody gets suspended, and then that's the new precedent. And yeah, like, exactly. Not, until we start really seeing hold themselves to the same the same rules. It's exactly. It's frustrating for sure. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, overall, like I'm not, I, I think, you know what, again, I, I could make the argument for two, but I think three is also fine, especially when, I mean, we don't know, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if him getting away for what he did to Kaprizov earlier this season kind of played a role in this. It's like, okay, you know what? We let you off the hook. You did this again. Like now we, we can't turn a blind eye to it again. Um, so, but I mean, I mean, Winnipeg's struggling right now, like, you know, back-to-back losses, uh, only one goal between those two games, uh, and and those are their first two yeah. since acquiring Sean Monahan. The uh, um, the entire top of the Central Division is struggling right now. Uh, Dallas is in first. They uh, they admittedly they're only on a one-game loss streak, but uh, right below them, Colorado's on a three-game loss streak, and then Winnipeg in third is on a five-game loss streak. So yeah, uh, the uh, the top of that division is. Uh, opening up a little bit. Uh, I don't know if anybody's actually really close to getting in there at all. Uh, yeah. Not, not overly. LA's in the um, Pacific. So yeah. Yeah. No, and the blues even, are, are yeah. 11 back. Like those three are kind of locked in now. Yeah. Even with five games lost in a row, Winnipeg is still 11 above. Yeah. Uh, St. Louis. So they're pretty comfortably there unless they, yeah. you know, drop as many as uh, the Kings did or something like that. But yeah, I think they'll which with those teams. Yeah, I don't I, I don't see that happening with with those teams. No. Um, um, but uh, the Oilers uh, in the Pacific uh, for the first time in a while, they are on a one game losing streak. Uh, they're. Yep. Their 16-game win streak came to an end at the hands of the Vegas Golden Knights the other day. Uh, yeah. I I did not watch the game. Did you? I, 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 I thought I you were watching saw, some of it. I saw a good a good chunk of it, mostly kind of the third period. Um, like it, it was a great back and forth game. I'm, you know, we, we we've seen it. A couple times over the last previous years, but again, I'm more than f- happy to see these two teams uh, go head to head in the playoffs. Um, I mean, I, th- I think Aiden Hill kind of really stole this one for for Vegas. He played like just outstanding in this game from from start to finish. 
Um, but man, every, every time these two teams go up against each other, you, you get a, a an instant classic. So, um, and, and you know what, I'm, again, I'm not a Vegas fan. I've made that, uh, as clear as I possibly can. Um, but if there's anyone to end this win streak, Vegas is very fitting for it. It makes a lot of sense, especially after the playoffs last year, uh, at the moment, Vegas is kind of the Edmonton Oilers boogeyman. Uh, they That's just that that one team that they always run into and they can't quite beat. Uh, yeah. So that would, uh, if those two teams could meet in a, a second round or a conference final again this year, that would be really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, just just a fun fact. And, th- and this, uh, starting on December 6th, this was a little bit... Um, before Edmonton's win streak had had started um, on December 6th, they ended up winning uh, four in a row, which actually in total made that one, two, three, four, five, six. So that put them on, after those four wins, that put them on an eight-game win streak. Um, they ended up dropping three games, and then they went on their, their 16-game win streak. So from on December 6th, before like this incredible run that the Oilers went on, they were 12 points back of the Vancouver Canucks. After all of this, now in the end of their winning streak, they've now closed the gap. They've now closed the gap to 14 points. They actually lost ground on, on the Canucks through all of this. Through their Which, win completely loss-free January. They yeah. didn't gain a single point on them. Yeah, they they lost points if anything on them. They're now fourteen back. Like wow. that's and and that's a thing. Just a lot of people aren't talking about. You know, the Oilers win streak really kind of because you know of the the market they're in in the same division as the Canucks. They really kind of took away a lot of the attention that the Canucks had from the beginning of the season up until the Oilers win streak started. And like the Canucks just kept kept rolling. You know, they'd have a loss like here and there. They didn't have that. 16 game win streak but they weren't they were still like the best team in the league and the focus just wasn't really on them so i kind of want to shift that back to the canucks because like they're really just you know we kind of thought maybe eventually you know they'd kind of fall off a bit but they'd still be in the mix because they had such a great start but like they've just stayed on that level yeah they and... have they have not slowed down really at all and like, man, playing against them in the playoffs is going to suck for whatever team gets them. Because yeah. look at this, 18-4-2 record at home. Like, yeah. going and playing in that building is tough. Yeah, actually. Like, it's... And, and it, they're, they're just such a deep team. Like, you know, even when you consider a guy like Dakota Joshua, he's making, like, 800K this year. And he's playing in a kind of middle six bottom six role and he's got 23 points in 49 games like and you've got a guy who's not even putting a dent in in your salary cap and he's doing that is uh, that's just incredible and that's just like what they're getting from their depth is also a, a huge reason of, of why they're they're where they're at like not only is their goaltending terrific their big players are doing well but their their depth is 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 not slacking at all yeah they top to bottom that team has done really well and with the addition of elias lindholm that 
that team yeah. is poised to go far in the playoffs. I it you do have to wonder if they can be the team to bring the cup back to Canada. If I had to pick a a, a team to do it, it would be the Canucks. Um, I personally would honestly love to see it be Winnipeg, just because you know. Yeah. That rise for Winnipeg from like, oh, no one wants to play in Winnipeg. All their star players want out to now having those guys locked in and and they go on a run to do it, I think would just be the would be such an incredible story. Um, but but realistically, I think the Canucks have 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 the best chance because if it's in a situation where you know, you're looking at the first round for them, they gotta play a a St. Louis Blues and Nashville Predators, the Seattle uh, you know, may, maybe even Calgary slips into there. Uh, they're, you know, only one point back now after putting some wins together. What I, I, whoever they interesting matchup that would be. You trade yeah. Lindholm to the Canucks and you end up making the playoffs and facing them in the first round. Yeah. And, but that's the thing. Like, I feel like whoever Vancouver plays first round, assuming they don't collapse, they have a pretty easy first round. And then you've got, you know, Vegas and Edmonton, it probably goes, I would say, seven games uh, b- between those two teams. And then whoever makes it out, like, you know, whether it's it's Vegas, the defending champs, or Edmonton with Big Dave and Dryside, you're, you're getting a pretty beat-up team, especially if Edmonton wins and Petrangelo doesn't get his way. You know, he's going to be trying to knock out as many guys as he can. Yeah. So, like, it, 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 it it's looking kind of nice for the Canucks where where they're at right now, as long as, you know, they just keep on doing what they're doing and don't, don't get too crazy and absurd with it. Just if it ain't broke, don't fix it for them right now. Yeah. And these are both teams that uh, the Canucks and the Jets that we didn't know what to do with them almost in our preseason predictions. We were like, you know, yeah. Uh, we were wondering, you know, are they make they might make the playoffs, but if they do just barely, it was a little more we knew they'd make it with the Jets, only because of the uh central division being pretty weak outside those top three. Yeah. But we uh I think I in our preseason predictions that we did forever ago, um I had Vancouver just barely making the playoffs over the Calgary Flames and they're they're just so dominant this year. Plus 56 goal differential on the year. I believe yeah. that's the highest in the league. It it should be. Um, It is. I don't believe this is updated, so it's actually probably very close now. Uh, only because they have a plus 56, and the next highest is plus 46 by Boston. But they actually got beat 4 nothing tonight by Boston. So theirs would now be 52 and Boston's would be 50. But they are still a top, even yeah. after that. Yeah, like, this Canucks team, man, is just how, how quickly it, it's turned around a year from, from almost the day. Like, it only, we talked about it, it only happened about a year and a week ago that it was Bo Horvat we shipped out. And it was like, you know, is this kind of the start of a, a retool? For the Canucks now, like now, year later, and they're, you know, top of the. Are, are they top of the league? I tied for top. I, I want to think so. And and they're just like 
firing on on all cylinders okay so assuming this isn't updated or assuming it is updated they're tied with boston now yeah yeah mine's mine's updated and, and they're tied with with boston Which I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be opposed to getting a, a Vancouver Boston final little rematch of of twenty eleven. I I would obviously. I mean, hopefully, Vancouver's on the winning end of it this time. I was gonna say I don't. I don't want to see it if uh, if Vancouver doesn't win. But yeah, you can say that about a lot of matchups. Yeah, and like, and that's the thing is like you know only a couple of years ago we had Montreal make it to the cup final but it just it really didn't feel that special because it was the whole weird nhl year and it was like you know everybody kind of like yeah they went on this incredible run but it was like they're going up against tampa like tampa's gonna stomp them and they did. i i definitely like, felt like tampa was gonna was gonna throttle him in, in that series but yeah uh, I after after the canadians beat the vegas golden knights who were a very good team still uh I'm I'm surprised more people weren't like I don't know this team's got the magic like I I was surprised more non-Tampa fans weren't weren't feeling that just because like they shouldn't have beat the Leafs they shouldn't have beat the Jets they shouldn't have beat the Golden Knights and maybe it, mm-hmm. maybe it was just because of how resilient Tampa was especially it was just how good Tampa was, was but, like top to bottom but like that's a thing. If like if in a in a normal year now everything's back to normal. If and normal playoffs, like if we get a Canadian team going to run and, and make there, like that would be that would that would be incredible. And See, seeing the whiteout in Winnipeg in the playoffs in a Cup final would be so cool. Yeah, it would be so cool. Like that that would be that would be one of the coolest atmospheres ever. And that's also the thing. Like I, I get people like. And and we even talked about it um, a couple episodes ago. How players like hate going to play in Winnipeg because it's so cold, and that's part of the reason why a lot of players don't want to go to Winnipeg. And it's like, well, man, you you just like if if you're a player who loves diehard fans and a, a great atmosphere to play in a tough barn to play in, like especially in the playoffs, that's one of the top. I think like when you get that whiteout going and how loud it gets there. There's there's not many atmospheres that that can beat it. Yeah, there's there's really not. There's really not. It's man. There's some of those some of those clips that you'll see of these uh, past years. You know, um, uh, Nashville when they when they uh, won their last uh, playoff round. I, was it against the Coyotes in the play-in round? Like, or one of these past years? I know it was in Nashville. Uh, Coyotes just... beat the Preds that year. It was okay. I think I, their I last playoff win might have actually been back when they went to the. Uh, cup I can't final. remember who they beat. Yeah, but they went to the Cup final. Yeah, and just like that building, just lost their mind for every single goal. Like, yeah, it's no wonder that so many players end up in Nashville. Like, and so many guys say it's a fun place to play. Like. That fan base is electric all the time. Yeah, it was um, uh, Anaheim that that they beat that year. Anaheim, so weird. We're in a world where it was like either Anaheim or or Nashville. It's so is it L- looking longer. looking at it now? Yeah. Um. 
but uh, I don't think we have too much else. Um, uh, Markstrom was uh, interviewed, uh, Jacob Markstrom of the Calgary Flames, uh, recently in a interview was uh, asked about uh, trade talks. Uh, apparently there's been rumors that uh, they're looking at shopping him maybe around, seeing what's out there. Um, and I, uh, where's the quote here? Uh, he said, it's up to Calgary what they want to do. So it's uh, it's not much telling, you know, but he's it's it is interesting when a guy doesn't say, I hope not. I want to be here and instead says uh, it's up to the team. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, it's an interesting situation. I know I've, I've already seen a lot of Calgary fans are are like, you know, you, you, you can't trade him. And especially like they're right on the cusp of the playoffs. And I think if you trade Markstrom, that's that's thrown in the towel on this season. Like, um, I, I really don't see why Calgary makes it to the playoffs if they move up Markstrom. Is that a bad thing necessarily? They've got quite a few well, and first, that's first round thing. picks going forward. And they've got this fantastic goalie and Dustin Wolf coming up. Is it better I don't think to... Dustin Wolf's not ready to, to be a strict straight up starter though? No, but I think between him and Dan Vladara, you could split the starts next season and kind of season him into that guy. <laughs> yeah. I, but and, and that's I the thing though, then you're you're taking steps back, so it's But I think they have to. I think I don't think they're a team that's ready to go on a cup run or anything, go deep in the playoffs. I think they have to take a step back before they can go forward. And I I think this might be the highest they're going to get Markstrom's uh, trade potential. It's the highest uh, his value will be. Yeah. For sure, right now. Like, the way he's playing and his contract having that, you know, the rest of this season, the playoffs, like, that. that's a huge part of it. Um, but but again, my biggest thing is, you know, you, you sell Markstrom, you get a first and, and X, you know, whatever else back. Awesome. But with the the pieces and players that they have, they're they're never going to be, you know, a, a team going for a a top five, top eight pick. Like you're going to be in that that cusp of just missing out on the playoffs. And if you get stuck into that rhythm, because if you've got guys like Rasmus Anderson, you know, Uyghur, Huberdeau, Kadri, uh, Zari now coming up, like you're you're not going to be a bottom team, and it's not going to be enough to get you to the playoffs. And if you get stuck in that that middle of the pack there for years on end, like we saw with Minnesota, you I think they've you just got flounder. too much talent for that. I think they've got too much talent to consistently stay there. I think if they took that step back this year, they would come back next year with another year seasoned and, and all the young guys that they've got and the picks that they'll have that'll actually be players at that point. I think. But you got to really hope they that... would move. They would move forward at that point. You got to really hope that Dustin Wolf makes that leap, though. Like we see him dominate in the AHL. He looks okay in the NHL, but he, he, he doesn't stand out like this, you know, superstar elite goalie should. And, you know, I, I like Dan Vladar. Um, Calgary certainly loves him, but he, he, again, he's not a guy that, that can be a, a legit starter for you. And I guess it depends if they feel comfortable rolling those two. Um, in a tandem if if that can work for them but at at the same time it's markstrom's value will never be higher than than where it's at right now so yeah i think 
I think between what they could get right now for Markstrom and what they got for Lindholm, they could basically get what would be worth a rebuild uh, out of those two players while still having all these guys on their roster that they're clearly not a rebuilding team. I think I think they would have enough pieces that they could really, really put something solid together and be able to improve for the future without actually selling too much because I don't think the team gets that much worse uh, moving out Markstrom and then bringing up bringing up Wolf yeah, and I, running I think the they tandem. Get, they, get, they definitely get worse. But they get much worse. I don't think I don't think, you know, the team is, you know, a, a bottom 10 team after that. No, I but think, I don't I think, think they're a team that can win. I think they would be next year. I don't think they would be this year. I think they would be next year. Or at least a team poised to look at a wild card spot. The St. Louis Blues are in a wild card spot right now. Like if That's, if, yeah. if they could get decent pieces back, I think I'm looking at all the teams surrounding them in the wild card race. I think they'd I think them in versus Kraken would be interesting. I think they should beat out the Predators. They should beat out the Blues. Uh, the Kings are lower than they should be. The Kings probably take one of those wildcard spots. But yeah, I think they'd have a real shot at the second wildcard spot next year. If they were able to turn that around. Uh, I don't know. Because you also remember, you know, you move Markstrom out and you get... Uh, you know, you move them to whoever it's going to be obviously be a contender. If you're adding in those, those as good as uh, prospects as you're going to be getting in that 24 to 32, you're, they're still going to be two to three years away before making the jump. Like, it's yeah. not like you're, they're going to be drafting players that can immediately come in and help. Um, again, yeah. it's, I guess it really depends how comfortable do they feel about. It, Vladar it, would, it, and it would entirely depend tandem. on what the return is, right? Like, like what? What team could use a Markstrom? You know, if uh, Detroit is looking to make a run at the playoffs and they want a bona fide starter over there, uh, you know, it would be a first plus, right? So, you know, would it be a first and a decent roster player, or you know, because if they could get something similar like what they got for Lindholm, which I don't think they'd get that much, but if you can get, uh, you know, a great roster player like they got plus all these extra things, uh, then I, de- I think they could uh, turn around quicker than people think. I think the, the main thing they need to do is set a value and not take anything less than that. They need to be like, if we're moving Markstrom, it's going to be, obviously I'm assuming a first, and then whatever else, and that has to be your bar, and you cannot go below that bar. Yeah, if you, and- if you are in a negotiation... And you are willing to go less than you want, you've already lost. Like yeah. you have you have to pick the price point at this is where it would be worth it, and you gotta get that or more. You yeah, you can't you can't say I want a first and a blue chip prospect or a first and a second line center, and then a team shows up on the last day of the trade deadline and says, We'll give you a first for him and you take it. You you can't yeah, you can't do that. You say, you know what? No. I'll hold on to Markstrom and we'll have him next year and you guys won't have a goalie. So yeah, I don't and think a big they need, thing. I don't think they need to move him. Uh, they don't need to. I am. Uh, they are definitely not in a spot where they 
need to and should be actively trying to move him. But if a team comes knocking and says, hey, we're looking for a goalie, uh, I definitely think they should at least explore it. Yeah, 100%. And a big part of it is I think we are kind of in agreement. I think everybody is that they're going to be trading Chris Tanev, um, which obviously really hurts their defense. And then Noah Hannafin. We still don't know if if he's one of the few guys that actually signs and and stays in Calgary or if they move him. But I think if you're moving Tanev and Hannafin, you might as well move Markstrom. Because you you lose two of your top four defensemen, you're immediately taking a couple steps back. So you might as well then move Marchman, just really yeah. gather as many assets as you can for, for two to three years away when you can really then, uh, you know, go all in and uh, make a push. Because yeah. if, if you're moving Tanev and Hannafin to keep Markstrom, that just makes absolutely zero sense for them. But if you move yeah. all three, if you're... You know, your draft picks and roster and like prospect pool could be looking really good, actually, by the end of the trade deadline. Yeah, I think moving both of them, maybe not uh, one or the other, but if you moved both Hannafin and Tanev, I think that would hurt the team more than trading Markstrom on its own. I, I would agree. I, 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 I would 100% agree. Losing two top four caliber defensemen uh, is absolutely brutal. Uh, yeah to a team's performance and uh Hannafin really kind of does it all for them but Tanev is so good defensively and uh, he's a heart and soul guy he is like like that is everything like if uh if Sergachev didn't just go down like we were talking earlier that is like exactly the type of guy I'd like Tampa to get and everybody that I've seen not just from Tampa fans like all these contending teams fans online all I'm seeing is I hope my team isn't the one that goes for Tanev. Well, because a lot of people don't like him. the idea of of giving up a first round pick for a rental. But if I mean, if you can trade that's for how, Tanev and you, lock him win. in, I mean, maybe then, it's like, just easier. Maybe it's easier for me to say it as a Tampa fan. But like trading first round picks is how you get the pieces you need to win on a. But all all the guys run. Tampa got weren't weren't rentals really. Like it like Goodrow you got for two years coleman you got for two Hagel, you've got for like 25 now it feels like like and, and that's part of the thing is also tanev's a bit older um so again if you're a team that can be like yeah we'll give you a first and this mid prospect for tanev but you already have, have talked to tanev and you can be like hey we'll sign you to a, a you know a two two three year extension at x amount and he says yeah i would do that then I, you 100% have to have to pull the trigger on that. that would but be really, I think if you're, you need to really know you're getting an extension with him, I think. And I think that's what kind of scares off some teams is do, do many the price teams of do a that first. At, uh, do many teams do that at the trade deadline, doing like a sign-in oh, yeah. trade for a, for a three-year contract? Not a... For like, I'm for trying like to think of contract. a... Because all the yeah, sign-in trades a, I hear about are these big uh, eight-year deals uh for 60 plus million like like uh if you could just get tanev to sign you know another uh three by four or something like that and then do the sign and trade with that and then you have them for the rest of this year and then the three years after on that contract like i'm trying to think you know, as long as Tanev's when we've okay seen that, that though that would uh, like a be a great deal I'm just trying to think of like when, when I'm ch I can't remember over the last, like the trade deadlines have obviously haven't been as 
you know, all a lot of the, the top players are moved before the deadline. I can't even think off the top of my head of when a player like like a Chris Tanev, who's you know, at his point in his career where he's by no means young, he's on the older side, but he's still playing at a, a top four, top two defenseman level, great on the penalty kill, get get moved. Like I can't remember in recent years. Maybe there is one that I'm missing off the top of my head, but I can't remember a guy that's in his position that's been moved. Yeah, there's a there's not a ton like and like all the ones that do get moved end up being you know cap dumps. You know, guys like Ryan McDonough who was at that age and was playing very well, but he was just making too much for Tampa's future, and they had to just kind of dump him off. Yeah, Nashville. Yeah, yeah, I honestly can't even. And again, like there's, you know, there's still the rumors that New Jersey's interested in Markstrom and Tanev. And I've seen the rumors of uh, a first round pick and like a Simon Nemich going back. I think if you can get a first and Nemich for Markstrom and Tanev, I'd pull a trigger on that every day of the week, twice on Sundays. Like, because oh, that I, like that's that would be fantastic for them, dude. Like even if Simon that first ne- round pick becomes nothing. Yeah, I was going to say, honestly, I would take that deal in a heartbeat if it's just Simon Nemich. He looks to be really good. I think he's going to be a freaking all-star in this league. Now, do I think New Jersey does that? No. But at the same time, if you're trying to win now and that's the price you got to pay for those guys, then maybe that's a more serious discussion that they they end up having. But like, and that's the thing is is Calgary holds all the cards in this. Like, yeah, maybe they're kind of forced to move. March has got three years left. They don't have to move them. Yeah. But if they want to get the most form, now now is the time. Now to, would be a good time that. to do it. And, yeah. you know, we've said it before on the podcast, you know, that's regardless of what the trade value is on each side, you know, if Simon Nemich goes on to put up, you know, astronomical num- numbers, 13, 1400 points in a career as a defenseman for the cow <laughs> for the, yeah. Like if he does something crazy as a defenseman over his career and he is, there's statues of him in Calgary at, when all is said and done. If Markstrom wins a cup for the devils, the devils still won that trade. Even if Calgary also won, there's no way the devils lose a trade where they won a cup off of it. Yeah. Like you can yeah. maybe make the argument if there's a dynasty in Calgary. That's like the only way you can even make that argument. And even still, you you got a cup. Like that's that's the goal. So yeah, it, even if you have to overpay like crazy, if that's what you need to get over the hump, and you think that's your year, which maybe this isn't the Devils' year. You know, they're not looking as good as they were last year by any means. They're <laughs> currently 53 points on the season they're uh five they've been the bad playoffs. for what their roster is also yeah. the, i guess the other thing is is if you're if you're trading like is it going to happen that they get moved together probably not but if you're the devils and you're getting markstrom and tanev there's a 95 percent chance that you get um tanev to sign an extension because he's he played for years in vancouver with March and they went over to Calgary the same year. Uh, I, th- I think it was one, one of them was back home in Sweden. I'm pretty sure it was March and was, was back in uh, Sweden and Tanev called him and it was like two in the morning, just like giddy as shit being like, Hey man, I'm, I'm coming to Calgary with you or something like that. Like they're, they're best buddies. So if you move them together, chances are Tanev probably signs there and just sticks around with 
with uh, with Markstrom as well. And, and why wouldn't you? What what about New Jersey would you not want to play for right now? Yeah, like that's a top contender or should be. Like they're not right now in my opinion, but they should be. And you bring in Markstrom Tanev, I think that gets them there to where they're probably a top five team easily in in the league. Yeah, yeah I mean, and then you... just, it's improving on an already great team. Like I yeah. I would have to check, but I think in my preseason predictions, I might have had them winning the President's Trophy. Like I did. <laughs> like I, I know for a fact I did. Yeah, like we we everyone was very high on this team uh, going into the season, and despite what's gone on, they've also lost Jack Hughes for stretches at a time, and they've had quite a few different injuries uh, throughout the year. I believe Dougie Hamilton's missed quite a bit of time as well. Yeah, he's still not back. Yeah, um so. yeah my prediction is i had the devils to win the presidents and i actually had them to break the curse and win the cup so i thought you were gonna say break the regular season record and i was like dude it just oh, got no. set no i just i just thought i i was all in on on them this year and it's yeah and you know what they they have had some uh some injuries that have really um hurt the team like Keisher's missed a f- a, quite a bit of time jack hughes has missed quite a bit dougie hamilton feels like he's been out for uh forever uh, and then their goaltending just really hasn't hasn't been it and again i think that's where markstrom really uh puts them over the hump that they're trying to get over so it's going to be very interesting uh going all the way up to to the trade deadline and seeing what what calgary does what some of these other teams in in the mix of doing what we might see the price end up being on a, on a Markstrom potentially Markstrom and Tanev trade. Yeah. And uh, just for anyone who is wondering, i um, just looking at the flames cap friendly right now. And uh, this year, the flames have their first round pick and Vancouver's first round pick. Uh, they have all their picks except for their fifth, which they have Chicago's fifth and they don't have their seventh. Um, they also have, uh, the Devils' fourth round pick. Uh, so they've got they've got basically all their picks, and they've got an extra Vancouver first. Uh, I think that fourth from New Jersey can bump up to a third. No, uh, the fourth round pick becomes a third round pick if am I crazy? If Vancouver makes it to the conference finals. It shows it as oh, a because it shows it as a devil's pick. Yeah. What was the pick that? Um... Oh, I see. Vancouver currently owns Vancouver and the New Jersey Devils fourth rounder, and if Vancouver makes it to the conference finals, the pick will still be a fourth, but it will be the better of those fourths. Oh, I don't, okay. I don't oh, know okay, when gotcha. they got, I just, I knew uh, Calgary's done a lot of deals with the devils lately. So I figured that was a deal with the devil, but that was actually a, a Vancouver trade. Funny enough. Oh, oh, I'm thinking of the, the third they got from the devils in the uh, Toffoli deal, but that was a, that was a third round pick in the, the 2023 draft. So that's why I'm not seeing that. Okay. That makes more sense. But like, yeah, they've, they've got decent, uh, you know, Picks obviously it kind of hurts Picks, next year because you got too. yeah it does kind of suck that you know next year they don't have the luxury of having their first and Florida's first like if, again if if you're in a position like 
kind of what we're seeing with San Jose right now, where um, and, and a little bit different because San Jose is obviously horrendous, so they're picking higher up in the draft. But like back to back years of having multiple firsts is 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 so huge in building up your your prospect pool. So it kind of sucks that they they lose one of those. But what can you do? That's still having three um, as of right now is solid. And again, if they move Tanev and Markstrom, they're they're going to add more into that mix. Yeah. Um, one thing I do want to throw at you, uh, just for the sake of it. Um, because I was I was wondering how much cap space uh, the Flames had going into next year, especially with um, Dylan Dubé coming off the books. And uh, I was looking at the upcoming free agents uh, that they would be able to sign, and I see one that is very interesting here. Uh, it would be it'd be such a strange rivalry, considering how much uh, this kind of interconnected rivalry that Tampa already has with. Uh, the Flames, but could you imagine if uh, after saying he wants to return to Florida, Sam Reinhart signs with the Calgary Flames? I don't think they can. You don't. Think I guess. They it, have I guess. Room, or it, you don't think they'd do it? I, I think they definitely they would have the cap space, but I think it depends on what on what Reinhart's asking for. Yeah. Like if he's asking for a again, if he's asking, you know for a $10 million contract for seven years. I don't know if you can do that because a big part of it is look at it's, it's very similar to Huberto. He had a career year uh, with the Panthers there. He comes to Calgary, signs that big deal. And then he couldn't it's. And again, I don't think it's Huberto lost his skill. I think a big part of it was who Huberto was also playing with. And now Sam Reinhardt is playing with those exact players. So, I, I think it really depends on on what Reinhardt's wanting. Like, if he ends up being like, it's, you know, it's got to be hard to convince guys who just played a year of hockey in South South Beach, Florida, uh, to come up to buttfuck Calgary, right? It, it can definitely yeah. be a tough sell for the free agents there. We know that, um, but that. Uh, I am all for team chaos. That would just be so such a fun, weird rivalry to see. Uh, like some of the Flames' biggest rivals after that would be the Oilers, the Panthers, and the Lightning of all teams. Like, they, yeah. Like between the the Kachuk deal and and then that the Bennett think, and Sam Bennett too. Like they're. There's this weird interconnectivity with those teams in uh, recent years. I, I really do think that Sam Reinhardt does stay in Florida. I think given the, the success he's having this year, he can cash in and get that eight-year deal with them. They just went to the cup final last year. They're, in, in my opinion, a, a top three team in the East right now. Um, uh, it, it makes no sense for him to leave. If he can get that eight-year deal and get anything of, of 9 million plus, I think he he's all over that. And he, he might even I, take a I, bit of a discount to stay there. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I don't want it yeah. to. I'm not a Florida fan, uh, so I don't want it to. But I do think he'll take the discount and stay there. because I want the I, chaos again. I think there would be a team that would give him 10. I think there'd be a team that yeah. might even go 10.5. Like I think so. With with how he's done, especially since so much of his points have been 
goals this year. Uh, not to mention he's 28, you know, he's in his prime. He's still on the young side of the prime. Um, but you know, Florida's not going to be shelling out more than Matthew Kachuk's making more than Barkov's making. No. So at most he makes 9.5 and something tells me that's, that's probably the number he comes in at either nine or 9.5, which would be a great deal for them. If he, if he can, uh, reproduce these results and especially when you you sign him you you roll with again with him playing with whoever it's not like you're going out and signing a free agent and then trying to figure out where to work them in like you you know what works and if you've got that as part of your core now that you run with like yeah i i really don't see him leaving but again i like the chaos like i like going into trade deadline day and it's it's like, oh, all the top players haven't been moved before the deadline. They're getting moved on deadline day. And teams are trying to up the the ante every time. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, this big-name player is going here. And then last second, it's they get traded there on free agency day. I like going in and being like, we don't know where these big pl- names are going to sign. Like, it's before free agency even starts. We already know where basically all of the big names are are heading. So... I want I want some some chaos. So it's, if he it's ends so up walking and like I'm, happens. I'm I'm all for that. And I, if he does hit the market, like I Calgary, I I, I mean Calgary would definitely be in on him. Like any they any time you've got try. someone who wants to be there, you know Calgary's going to be all in. Yeah, and so. like what 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 year was it? Was it 2016 when uh, Stamkos uh, his contract was ending the first time? And, uh, you know, right, he signed uh, his big extension with us, like, like five minutes before free agency hit. And then like, and then like 40 minutes later, I think there was the Subban Weber trade, like, like the hockey world was on fire that day. And that like, was also the, the Taylor Hall, Adam Larson, like that yeah. all happened in the span of, I think it was like 53 minutes or something. Yeah, like there was, it was so much wild. going on, especially for those boring summer days where you don't have any hockey news. Like all yeah. of a sudden it's like, what the hell is going on? Like it's, yeah, I I love when they're, they have those more chaotic uh, free agent days. Obviously, you know, hopefully not at the expense of my team, but yeah, it, it's, it's really fun to see these unexpected things happen all of a sudden. And hopefully we get some of that because, uh, Last year, we really did not get uh, any major things going on. No. And that's the thing is like most teams now, it's if they know a guy's not going to re-sign or something, they they ship him off and the team he goes to, he ends up signing with. Or or a guy gets his rights get traded at the draft. And like it, it's not very often you see kind of bigger name players just don't end up signing and walk to free agency anymore. Yeah. And I, I miss that. Uh, chaotic aspect of it. Yeah, and maybe, maybe we might be getting that. You know, with the way some guys are playing, and I think Elias Lento might be a slam dunk to hit free agency this year. Which I don't think so. I think I think they would be crazy not to sign. Him. I don't if think he, Vancouver can sign him. If they if he asks for thirteen mil for eight years, you give it to him. I think he is the core of that team. I think he is he is the centerpiece to them. Elias Lindholm. Oh, oh, geez. I thought you were talking about Elias Pedersen. I was looking no, at him. No. I was oh, like, no, he'll get uh, Lento or Pedersen will get at least 12. Yeah. 
Uh, no, I'm talking about Lindholm, though. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Yeah, I definitely agree with Lindholm. I think there's very little chance that he re-signs in Vancouver, especially since he was willing to leave Calgary over an argument of $1 million per year, which on an eight-year contract is $8 million. Yeah. Um, not that $1 million is even a small amount. But yeah, no, Pet- Pedersen's he, he like would not, for sure. He would not take a discount to stay in Vancouver. But it's also if, you know, I, I think Pedersen, if he gets signed um, by Vancouver, like whatever he asks for, you basically give it to him. But it's also interesting, like if he doesn't uh, sign or doesn't want to stick around in Vancouver, and I mean, the way they're playing right now, why would you not? 65 um, but, points but, and 50 But he's an, he's an RFA. So if he doesn't want to sign with Vancouver, then it's, now it's the sweepstakes of teams trying to trade for him, which uh, would be that would, would be, be absolutely chaotic. Like that would be <laughs> bigger than Matthew Kachuk, basically. And the Matthew Kachuk one happened pretty very quickly. Yeah, but like if, if you know if it's a week long process of teams just sending their offers in, that could get pretty pretty entertaining from from our aspect. If you qualify a if you qualify an RFA, um, other teams are allowed to offer them a contract and then you would be compensated with like four first rounders in this case, right? Yeah, but you also have the the option to match whatever the team offers. True. So yeah, the guy has to agree to the match. to the. Um, and it's also Pedersen would have to, he would have to agree to qualify. the contract with whatever team. Like no team yeah, can yeah. come and just be like 10 million for seven years like Pedersen could be like no if you know if you want me let's work at and that could work out to Pedersen's advantage like if he even is okay staying in Vancouver but they don't want to pay him a team on the market offers him the 13 mil and he's like yeah I'll I'll do that then it's Vancouver are you gonna match and keep me or are you gonna you're gonna lose me so yeah it's it's gonna be interesting because I thought he would have already been signed by now but yeah uh, he's he's the guy they can't lose. And obviously they kind of can't almost with them being an RFA, but you'd still yeah. think you'd be signed at this point. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, when, when you get those guys like, you know, that are ending up, you know, the John Tavares, the Johnny Goudreau's it's, it's exciting to see where they're going to land. And, you know, yeah. obviously one of them went to Toronto, which was big news. And one went to Columbus, which was, uh, you know, uh, less news was crazy uh, though cuz Columbus wasn't even on the on the radar it was like the Islanders i think uh the people, well, that's, the Flyers apparently never offered him but apparently they were so in on him the Devils he was going to go to the Devils like yeah. every Flames fan i knew was like he's he's a devil in my mind already like yeah and not not just because he was leaving they actually thought he was going to New Jersey and then Columbus came in at the last hour and threw an offer down and then i think it was even less than what New Jersey offered him Apparently, and then all of a sudden it was just like boom, Goudreau's heading to Clemson was like holy shit! Like Columbus just came out of nowhere. Like that was that was entertaining stuff to follow along throughout the because yeah. it, it was a crazy couple hours. It sounded like New Jersey was a done deal, and then well, Columbus of all teams. Yeah. So it's it was very funny to me hearing a, a bunch of people living in Calgary, obviously, who you know Calgary's not exactly a destination place, and everyone's just like. It was just so much cope of like, 
if he could have went to a better team, I would understand. But he went to Columbus. Who cares about Columbus? And it's like so many of these people who are living living in uh, Calgary, not you know being like, hey, Columbus sucks. But everyone who's gone there seems to enjoy it. I have no idea what the city is actually like, but yeah, I think people like because they're still a bit more quieter and the, like, they don't say, like those Johnny who don't Goudreau, like the cameras like, and lights in their face all the time. Yeah, like he has he has Toronto on his no trade list. Like he doesn't want to he doesn't want the media in his face. I think he just wants to hang out, play his hockey, do his thing, and get paid. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but with all of that, it's all this is all hypothetical because we don't know what what's going to happen leading up to the trade deadline. But we're we're less than a month away, so uh, we got there's going to be lots of lots of news coming out now for us over the next uh, month or so. So from here on out, the next few episodes are, are going to be jam packed with lots of trade talks and rumors and uh, all that fun stuff. Potentially even some signings. Maybe some teams lock some guys in long term uh, before the deadline hits. You never know. Yeah, I got to imagine there's there's a couple of guys around the league that are really due for an extension that I think getting towards the end of the season are going to be a couple more inked in for sure. Yeah, I, look, a lot, like if, if you want to keep an eye on guys who who might be traded, might sign, look at uh, look at San Jose because they got quite a few guys who are are on that cusp of on the last year of their deals. It's either, you know, they agree to a deal and, and sign something by the deadline. And if they don't, they'll they'll for sure. Uh, be on their way out the door because San Jose can't afford to to lose any assets. So, because they they got quite a few that they gotta they gotta figure out before then. Yeah. Um. Do you want to cover this uh, last bit of news before I? Get I in? I really, I really don't care to. Like, I don't care for this. I think <laughs> yeah, it's I garbage. Know. Like, uh, yeah. So everybody's favorite team, the Chicago Blackhawks, um, and obviously with Connor Bedard and the AHL squad will host the 2025 Winter Classic at Wrigley Field, taking on the St. Louis Blues. Again, like, it's... I, I just, I don't get why. it's. It feels like every, like, it's just a rotation. It's like, this year, it's basically either Chicago or Boston, pretty much, is in the Winter Classic against whoever. And then the next year, they do a fun one with different teams. Like, I, I thought Vegas and Seattle was awesome this year. And then the following year, they just go back to the well of reusing the same teams and i get it like obviously the nhl wants to market the shit out of bedard with the blackhawks but it's like are we really going to watch a winter classic game of uh in what i think is even going to be worse next year a regressing st louis blues team taking on bedard and again kind of the the ahl squad that chicago has like yeah we're gonna I'd rather see, see andreas anthony see put up 20 minutes a night in the winter classic like yeah like Jeez. i'd rather watch like Make it Toronto, like, Boston. Yeah, that would be that would be incredible. Like, like cra- grab two teams that have a rivalry, a fresh rivalry that's recent, that are also doing well. Like, I don't think these teams that are getting in the middle of rebuilds should be getting things like this. Like, wait until they're good, and like, and you know, if you're not good for twenty years, then I guess that's just your fault, right? But eventually, yeah. when most teams get good, then you can give it to them. But like later on this season, we're getting, um, yeah. The the one I don't really care about is we're getting the the stadium series of I believe it's the Devils and the Flyers facing off, and then 
the Islanders and Rangers. Why could you not be like, okay, we're not going to do an Islanders-Rangers stadium series. That would have even been a terrific winter classic to do next year. The battle of the, the New York teams, like that would have been stellar. And those are two teams that are, uh, you know, Islanders are top league, but Rangers are. And that's a heated rivalry. Like that, that would have been a, a phenomenal choice as well. I just yeah. think there's so many better teams that could be mixed instead of being just like, because the Blackhawks have Bedard, we're just going to shove them back in when they're, they're not a good team. I want to watch. They are bottom it's, in the league. They are 32 yeah. out of 32 right now. And it's lame that they got picked for it. And it's the only game that takes place that day. Like, thankfully we have the world juniors to watch because I won't care to really watch this game. Like I want to watch, you know, two great teams go, go head to head, not watch. A, a, a decent team in St. Louis versus at the Blackhawks that the only reason they're in it is to watch Bedard in it. Like, but. yeah, just watching a team in a rebuild in these events is very strange. Like that being I said, wonder, if it was San Jose, I, I would, would love it. it. I do wonder if they would have got it without Bedard. I think they still would have. No. I, I think they want to mark. There was Chicago a, there was so a, a clip bit. There's a clip it from something that they're gonna they're gonna milk Bedard for as long as they can, yeah. Well, oh, he's gosh. coming into the league, so I feel like that's because if they didn't have Bedard, like there's no way you could tell me that they would pick the Blackhawks to be like led by their star player Nick Foligno and Anthony Cu. Like, yeah, it's 100 percent because uh, Bedard was, uh, and even so, like give us a different team than the Blues. Like I get they're kind of rivals, but. I just feel like there's so, so many that. better matchups you could have at the very like, you could have had even Chicago Detroit something like that you know you can mark it as original yeah. six teams you do whatever or even Chicago Boston could have worked like yeah there's it's just a, so many better options it's strange. but um, that's why that's just why the Winter Classics to a lot of people don't really mean as much and you see the ratings kind of drop every year is because more and more people are just starting to not become as interested in it because it's kind of the same same recycled shit we're getting. So it's basically the big market teams and and that's that's kind of it. So yeah. It, it it is what it is. We'll have World Juniors on to watch, so yeah. Um do you have anything else before I get into the league leaders? I do not. Nope. All right, because uh, we actually have had a few games uh, since the break has ended. Um, starting with, we'll just go with points. Uh, back at the top, we got number one. We got uh, with 87 points, Nikita Kucherov. Uh, in second, with 85 points, Nathan McKinnon. And in third, 73 points for David Pasternak. Uh, for goals. We have in first, of course, Austin Matthews. Austin, geez, Austin <laughs> Matthews with forty-one go. goals. Uh, in second, we have Sam Reinhart with thirty-seven, and tied for third place, we have both Nikita Kucherov and David Pasternak with thirty-three goals apiece. Yep. Uh, let's let's still do. Nah, do we care about plus minus? Quinn Hughes leads with plus minus with thir- plus 34. Yeah. Only one person for plus minus. That's that's all that's all he deserves. 
It's all that matters. Um, going over to goalies, uh, for goals saved above expected uh, in the league, in first we got uh, 22.6 with Connor Hellebuck. Uh, 11, sorry, 18.8 uh, for Thatcher Demko in second. And in third, Connor Ingram with 14.5. Uh, as well as save percentage here. Uh, in first, Connor Hellebuck with a 0.923. Uh, Jeremy Swayman in second with a 0.922. And in third, Joey Decord with a 0.921. Yeah, he's... Joey Decord is put yeah. a really nice season together. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's, a, that's about all the relevant stats I got here for you. <laughs> Right on, right on. Well, we actually managed to make a little bit of a long one out of this, so we kind of just brought up a couple topics and were able to roll with them. And that's kind of the beauty of, of talking about hockey. You know, there's there's always stuff to talk about, whether it's, uh, you know, breaking news, big news, or stuff we just make up off the cusp. Um, that's kind of the beauty of the trade deadline season. Um, do you have anything left to add in before we before we roll out? Uh, no, I think that's pretty much everything. Right on. Awesome. Well, once again, thank you to everybody for listening to yet another episode of the Stick'em Up podcast. We always upload uh, new episodes every Friday. And as you may have seen earlier this week, we kind of throw out random ones here and there, uh, depending on what's going on around the league. But as always, feel free to uh, come and join in with us over on Instagram or Twitter slash X at SEU Hockey. Uh, I'm sure we'll be lots posting lots of stuff um, in the lead up to the trade deadline, uh, potentially maybe some mock trades that we come up with, or maybe just throwing out some rumors that we've heard and uh, just trying to engage in some conversations with you guys. Once again, thank you to everybody for listening, and we'll see you guys next week.